Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Impact Makers Podcast. I'm Jennifer McClure, a professional speaker and entrepreneur, and I was put here on this earth to equip and encourage you to help you build a career that you love and to live a life that matters. And I've got a special treat for you today. I really enjoy reading blog posts and listening to podcasts from leaders that I follow where they share some of their favorite tools and resources for productivity, running their business, or just cool apps that they use. I'm always on the hunt for better ways of doing things, and it's a great way to discover cool new tools that I want to check out or to learn a different way to use something that I already have. So I thought I'd share some of my favorites with you today. But before I share my 15 favorite apps and online tools with you, I want to thank King University for their support, which makes this podcast possible. King is proud to offer 16 online degrees with accelerated programs and affordable tuition so you can start a new career faster than ever. You can choose from programs in technology, communication, and business, like an online MBA with six concentrations, including human resource management. And because the program is offered fully online, you can earn your degree on your own schedule in as little as 16 months. Visit jennifermcclure.net forward slash King U, that's K-I-N-G, the letter U, to learn more about the King difference today. Now, before we get started, I want to be sure to let you know that you can check out the show notes in your podcast app or on my website at jennifermcclure.net forward slash 35 for links and more information about the tools and applications that I'll be sharing with you today. And because I personally like to save toolkits like this that others have shared so I can reference back to them when needed, we've made a beautiful PDF for you that you can save or download, which lists all of these great resources, what they are, and where you can find them. Just head on over to jennifermcclure.net forward slash 35 to download your free toolkit today. So let's get started. Now, I know that some of these tools and apps may not be new to you, but when I sat down and created a list of my favorites, some oldies but goodies definitely deserved a spot on that list. So I didn't want to not give them love just because they've been around a while or because they're already very popular. And hey, maybe I'm using them in a different way than you are, or maybe you've heard of them before, but you haven't tried them out yet. Either way, I think you'll find something new in this list that can make your life better or easier in some way. To come up with my top 15, I actually sat down with my iPhone and my laptop, and I scrolled through all of the applications that I've downloaded or that take up space on my hard drive. Whew, that was a list that was long enough that I didn't even count them all. Probably like you, I've got tons of apps on my phone, and my laptop is even more applications and programs on it, the majority of which I don't even use, and many that I don't know what they do even. Clearing out that clutter and deleting some of those applications and programs is probably a good project for a rainy day. Maybe I'll add that task to one of the applications that I'll share with you in just a minute. So after going through all of the things, I listed 70 that I actually use in some way. Of course, there are some I only use when I travel, like the Delta app, and some that are only open when I'm on a fitness journey, which unfortunately isn't often enough. And of course, some of them are just for fun, like Pokemon Go. By the way, I'm a fierce Pokemon Go player. Shout out to Team Instinct. I play practically every day and my life is better for it. 
Or at least that's what I tell myself after having given hundreds of hours of my life to catching, evolving, and fighting Pokemon. So after reviewing the list of 70 apps and tools that I actually use, I narrowed it down to my top 15 ride-or-die crew, and here they are. First, I'll share my favorite tools and apps for productivity and efficiency. Number one, Google Calendar. I mean, come on. If you're not using an online calendar app, I don't even know who you are these days. <laughs> Google Calendar, of course, is for time management and scheduling, and you may be using something like Outlook or whatever other things are used on PCs, non-Mac people these days. But my calendar is actually something that I consider a productivity tool. I guard it really fiercely, and it makes me have a good idea of both what my week is going to look like, what my month is going to look like, and what my day is going to look like. I try to make sure that I leave time for white space in between meetings, etc. And I'm a visual person, so seeing that really helps me to plan my day. I also am big on color coding, so everything has a color code. Personal items are in purple. Meetings are in light purple. Phone calls are in orange. On and on. You get it. But it's helpful for me to always be able to look at a glance to exactly where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there, where it's located, who's going to be in the meeting, etc., so I'm sure you're probably using some sort of calendar app in your day-to-day -day life. So I won't belabor that, but that had to take a spot. I guess this list is not necessarily in any particular order, but I wouldn't be the person that I am without my Google Calendar. <laughs> that might be an overstatement, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's on my computer. It's open all day. It's with me everywhere I go on my phone. It even rings or dings to me on my Apple Watch. So I don't think my calendar runs me. I run my calendar most of the time. And I'm really happy that I have a tool that I always can be able to reference where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing, whether it's today or six months in the future, or six months in the past. So Google Calendar gets my vote. Whatever you're using for a calendar tool, I'm sure you vote for as well. So I'll move on to the second one, and they get better from here. You guys are like, what? Google Calendar? <laughs> hey, I love Google Calendar. What can I say? But my second one, you may not be using this or a tool like this. And if you're not, and you're a person who values your time, I don't know why you're not using something like this. The tool that I use is called Calendly, and I believe the website is calendly.com, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com. I'll link to it again in the show notes. Probably should have looked that up before I started this. But Calendly is a scheduling software that they say aims to save you time, accelerate sales, and improve service quality. I don't know if it does all those things for me, but what it does is it eliminates for me that back and forth situation where somebody says, hey, I'd like to schedule a call with you. And then you email back and you say, I'm good on Tuesday at 10. And they email back and say, I can't do Tuesday at 10. How about Thursday at three? And you go, I'm not available on Thursday. And it goes on and on and on and on. And I know for the first few years of my business and even back to when I worked in the corporate world, that was so frustrating. I mean, I already get enough email. You already get enough email. And so five or 10 emails to come to some sort of agreement on when we're both available, either for a meeting or for a call, there had to be a better way. And for me, that's Calendly. Now, Calendly has a free 
application. So there are ways you can use it for free. I actually pay for, you know, a more robust usage or tools that are available. But what Calendly allows me to do is I can set up types of events or meetings within Calendly. And then each one of those gets its own URL or own link that I can share with people. And I'm able to determine my availability for the time that I allot to that particular link. So for example, calls, as I said earlier, calls can take up all of my time, but I need it to take up only a specific amount of time. So typically for me, I only schedule calls on Tuesdays, maybe Thursdays, and I never take calls before 10 a.m. in the morning just because I don't really wake up until after 10 a.m., even if I'm awake. So for the most part, if we need to have a productive conversation, it needs to be after 10. And then I don't like to take calls usually after 3 p.m. because I'm, you know, probably doing something, wrapping up a project or ending my day. And then a lot of days, of course, I go to the barn to ride my horses around 5 p.m. So I try to take calls usually between 10 and three and most often only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So by going into Calendly, setting my availability. So if I say 10 to three on Tuesday and 10 to three on Thursdays are the only times that someone can schedule a call with me. Then if someone reaches out to me and says, hey, I'd like to schedule a call with you. What days are you available? Then I can send back an email or even if I'm reaching out to someone and say, hey, Take a look at this link. You can view my availability and then you can easily schedule a mutually convenient time. So you can look at your calendar. You can look at what time I'm available and you can pick a time that works best for you. Now, some people out there don't like this and I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. This is makes all of it very easy for both of us to say when we're available and to schedule a time. Yeah, you might have to take a couple of clicks on your side to schedule the call, but I'm not putting myself in a position above you. I'm just saying, let's make this easier for everybody. Here's when I'm available. Pick a time. It's up to you. And then when you click on the link, you schedule a time, it automatically sends both of us an email, drops the appointment on both of our Google calendars. And we already know I love Google Calendar. And it sends you a reminder when the meeting is ready to happen or the call is ready to happen. So why some people hate on these types of tools, I don't know. But for me, it's literally changed my life. You know, when I go to my grave, I'll look back and say, what were the things I'm most proud of? And the thing I'm most proud of is finding a tool like Calendly. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a little bit of an overstatement, but you get what I mean. My life was full of, especially when I worked in recruiting or even in human resources, and I didn't have a tool like this, so many back and forth, so much when are you available or leaving voicemails back and forth. Let's do it this time. No, I'm not available that time. And Calendly saves all of that. So I have links set up, for example, for a 15-minute call slot. So if somebody just says I has a quick question, I can send them the 15-minute call link. That way I'm not blocking out a whole hour on my calendar, and neither are they for the the time that we actually need. I have a 30 minute call slot. I have an hour call slot. So depending on what time I either I think the call is going to take or what they ask for, I can send the appropriate link, which allows them to schedule times only when I'm available and only on the days and times when I say I'm available. Same thing for meetings. Same thing for I have a meeting link that's out there. I have 
other links, I have several links that have set up that I've personalized in Calendly. And again, I can customize when I'm available. So you've heard me talk about calendar blocking in the past and other ways that I'm trying to be more productive with my time. And Calendly really, really makes a huge difference for me. I can't sing its praises high enough. I wish everyone used this kind of tool. And I really, really wish there weren't people out there that were offended by this. But here's a pro tip for you as well. How many times do people reach out to you and say, hey, Jennifer, could we schedule a call or could I grab a cup of coffee with you or I do this, that or the other? When are you available? And then you send them times back and again, you go back and forth. That's one scenario. Another scenario is now when they send that to me and I say, okay, here's a link to schedule a time for a call on my calendar. Pick a time that's mutually convenient. I look forward to speaking with you and they never do it never do it. You know what? I just saved myself time because they weren't really serious about scheduling time with me or it wasn't a priority. So I've also found that by sending someone a link to be able to schedule time with me, that's helped me to weed out a few people who weren't really serious. So again, that was a 30 minute commercial for Calendly, I guess. <laughs> there are other tools out there like Acuity Scheduling, Schedule Once, Book Me. I think, you know, there are tons of applications out there that do this. I personally like Calendly because it is very simple to schedule a time. You just pick the time that's available. It sends the meeting request. I've used other apps when people have sent me a similar link where I have to enter a bunch of data. I have to choose three different options. And then, you know, within a day or two, they pick one and it tells me which one they've chosen. And then I might not be available anymore. So I personally don't like those. I like Calendly. So if you're a hater on the calendar scheduling tools, I'd like to invite you to come around. This is for all of us and for the greater good. And I personally love Calendly. I also love there's a browser extension with it called Calendly Click. So again, very quickly, I can just click on the little thing up in the top of my web browser and it allows me to go ahead and pick a time or pick the link that I want to share with someone. All right. Moving on in the productivity section. Number three is a tool called Nozbe. N-O-Z-B-E. I think that's how you say it. They are... Swiss, I believe, or something like that. So it sounds weird and funny, but it's called Nosby. Now, again, you may be using some sort of task management system, whether that's paper or reminders or anything that you might be using to manage tasks, but I actually use Nosby. I found Nosby through Michael Hyatt, who Actually, a few of these tools on this list I actually heard about through Michael Hyatt. And I think he's moved on from Nosby, but I've stayed with it and I've used it for several years. And up until probably just three or four months ago, I was not using it to its full capability. And I have started using it more to a tenth of the capability that it has. And again, like Calendly, it's changing my life. So again, I use Nosby, but it's a productivity system and their mission, and I took it off their website, says is to guide people on a path to getting things done and communicating effectively. They aim to help people work more efficiently so they gain more time for who they are and what they love. And I really like Nosby for a couple of reasons. Again, it's colorful, so I can set colors to things. I can create projects. I can set tasks. But more and more, I love it because I have a, the Nosby app 
you can use it on the website or just by using the nosby.com link. You can download an app on your Mac, which I use that as well. I have the app on my phone. And so what I can do is anytime something pops to mind, kind of going back to the getting things done strategy, if you've ever read the book, Getting Things Done or a fan of the GTD strategy, all I have to do is just enter that task. Just say, call the eye doctor because it popped in my head. And that goes into my inbox in Nosby. And from there, I can go in once a week. I usually do it on Sunday nights. I can go in and actually move that to a task, put a date to it, put it in a category, assign it a priority. There's all kinds of things I can do within Nosby. But it allows me just to capture things in the moment and get them onto an online system where I can eventually go in and categorize them, schedule them. And then, of course, if I'm not able to get something done, I can move it forward. I can change the date. And Nosby also allows me to work with my team. So, for example, my project manager, Angie, has been added to my Nosby account. So I can assign her tasks within Nosby. And then she can also change the date, add notes, and I can see where she's at on getting things completed there. So Nosby is like a lot of things. It's super robust. I'm just learning how to use after paying for it for a number of years, <laughs> like a lot of things, just now learning how to use it to its full capabilities. And I will probably at some point do an episode on kind of the task management side that I'm learning and how it's changing my life in the future, because I'm really starting to take it seriously. And it's a game changer for me. Now, like a lot of these tools, Nosby has a free portion that you can use, which I used for years. I do pay for some, again, more robust function and also the ability to have my team members be a part of Nosby. So you don't have to if you want to check it out. You can, again, go to the link in the show notes or nosby.com if you just want to learn more. And if you sign up for Nosby, the founder has actually written a productivity book. He's got a lot of videos out there online. There's a lot of tools and resources that are available that they've put out there to try to help you. And I actually read his book. I think I renewed and they sent me a free copy of it a few months ago. And that's what kind of kicked me in the butt about using it to its full capabilities. And I'm glad that I've done so and look forward to continuing to get better at task management in the future. So I absolutely love Nosby. It's with me everywhere I go. I'm able to capture my ideas. So no more sticky notes all over my desk. No more little notes written on pieces of paper that I find months or years later. No more things clogging my brain with I need to remember this or I need to write it down. I just put it in Nosby and then I can make decisions about it or I can continue to ignore it, but at least it's out there for me to take a look at when I'm ready. Number four in the productivity category, full focus planner. Now, this is not an online tool, app, or resource. This is actually a physical product by, you guessed it, Michael Hyatt. <laughs> you can tell, Michael Hyatt, I'm a fan. Full focus planner. So Michael Hyatt turned me on to Nosby years ago, and then lo and behold, he created his own planner a couple of years ago when that was a thing for everybody. And like most things, Michael Hyatt, I signed up right away, and I've gotten the annual subscription for a couple of years. And here's where, again, I'm being honest and transparent. I've received these quarterly planners for a couple of years, and maybe I wrote in them for a week or two, and then I set it aside, and I never did anything with it again. But hey, I like to donate to the Michael Hyatt Empire, so I keep paying for it. <laughs> but I know how powerful it is. He's written a book called um, 
wow, I'll have to link to it in the show notes. It just came out this year, the full, fully focused leader or something like that. Sorry, Michael, I am a fan, but I forgot the name of your latest book, which I do have and have read. He's got some courses out there, et cetera, but I really like the system and I like using my paper full focus planner in conjunction with Nosby. So the full focus planner follows uh, Michael Hyatt's kind of best year ever goal setting system where you you set your goals at the beginning of the year. And then these are quarterly planners where you can review your goals daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. You can write down your big three, your top three things you're going to work on for each day. You can plan your week, your weekends, etc. Like a lot of things, again, I'm not using it to its full capabilities, but it's really starting to click for me when I decided to start using Nosby to its fullest capabilities. I dusted off my latest full focus planner and I've been using it, setting down every Sunday night, planning out my week, thinking about what my priorities are. And I'm looking forward to going through the annual goal setting process here in the next couple of weeks and really using my full focus planner to its fullest capabilities in the future. So I like the combination of the paper, something I can take with me. Of course, I can take notes in this as well. Uh, it allows me to do kind of the weekly review really well by looking back over what I've accomplished through the week and written down. I also track things in there like my food journal, you know, things that I'm eating, my exercise, my writing. I set some goals like I want to ride five times a week, usually in the summer or you know, depending on my travel schedule, and I want to exercise so many days a week. So it allows me to have kind of, again, a visual place where I can put all these things down and, and see what I'm actually doing. So I am a big, full focus planner fan now after paying for it for a couple of years, and I'm going to get my money's worth in this quarter just by using it to its fullest effect. So I'll link to it again in the show notes. You don't have to buy the subscription. You can just buy one if you'd like to try it out. I think they're around 40 something dollars for one planner and you could try out the system with that. You get a lot of tutorials on his system. Uh, access to videos on how to use the system. You might even get a free copy of his book. Who knows? I think you get a lot of things if you sign up for the Full Focus Planner annual subscription. And that way they just show up every quarter. And I have the bold, which means they're cool colors. Of course, the first one that I got was olive green, was not the cool red color. But I'm hoping my new Full Focus Planner for the first quarter of 2020 should be in the mail this week. I hope it's the red one. I hope so. Crossing my fingers. Okay, so those round out my productivity and efficiency apps that are my favorite. And you probably heard a theme in there. Again, maybe like you, a lot of these tools I've either had access to and haven't fully utilized them. Some of them I've even paid for and haven't fully utilized. But hey, I'm coming around. I'm always a work in progress. So I would like to share the things that I discover with you. So I'm going to move on to some apps that I call communication and community type apps. And number five, or the first one in that category, is Zoom. So if you are a person who does conference calls, if you do calls with people internationally, if you do calls with multiple people, and you are still using Skype or something like that, 
I would like to introduce you to Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is a communication software that combines phone and video conferencing for online meetings and calls. And you can also do webinars if you are a person who does webinars using Zoom. So I can tell you with Disrupt HR, my other business that I talked about in episode 34 of the Impact Makers podcast, part of the Disrupt HR process over the last six years, when someone inquires, they want to be an organizer in a new city. And these inquiries come from all over the world, from actually countries I've never heard of sometimes, which I'm always just really fascinated that I get to talk to people all over the world who are interested in bringing Disrupt HR to their community. And for years, I scheduled an individual phone call with each and every person who inquired about organizing a Disrupt HR event in their city. Now, not only was that way too many phone calls for somebody like me who doesn't necessarily like to do phone calls, especially since I was trying to limit them to Tuesdays and Thursdays. A lot of the difficulty came, especially when these were international calls. And I'm not going to pay for an international phone call. And a lot of the people who reached out didn't really want to pay for an international phone call. So we would suggest a Skype call. And I personally just never really found Skype easy to use. It was like, what's your username? And mine is dumb because my name is taken. And, you know, <laughs> and then I'd show up for the call and they may or may not be there on time or vice versa, you know. So it just never was something that I really felt. Skype was a very efficient tool for me. Now, I know a lot of people who have used Skype maybe still do. And somewhere along the way, Zoom came along. And then I was in a mastermind group where we actually used Zoom for for our meetings every week where we could see everyone in the meeting and people could talk and the talk, the call could be recorded and there was a chat function within the meeting. And I was like, this is really cool. And I think there might be a free version of Zoom, but it's also very cheap. If you, if you do any kind of, if, especially if you're in business for yourself, if you're doing any kind of scheduling, even if it's calls where you do want to be on video with somebody, which, hey, I don't necessarily want to be on video for any reason <laughs> in my bathrobe and with my hair up and it's scrunchy. But if we need to do a video call, then Zoom's a great option. And for me, with these Disrupt HR international calls, all I have to do is send them a link to the Zoom call and people all over the world can do it voiceover, internet protocol or VOIP. And I've talked to people and again, countries you and I have never heard of, small places, places out in the middle of nowhere. And if they can have access to the internet, then we can have a phone call and talk. And so it's just made that really, really easy. And again, it's almost like Calendly. I can just send them a link and say, hey, our call is on Tuesday at three and here's a link to the call. You know, so with Zoom, you can also call in through your phone using that Zoom link. So again, a lot of times people maybe aren't on their computer, but they're talking through their phone. And I just think it's really helpful. So again, I've been in in a couple of masterminds where we use Zoom to connect. I use Zoom for all of my international calls. I use Zoom to have a weekly call with my project manager. We do like to see each other and kind of have an in-person meeting. So if you're not familiar with Zoom or, again, you're not using Zoom to its full capabilities, I can highly recommend it. Now, if you work in a corporate setting, maybe you have some sort of tool, whether it's a GoToWebinar or something else where you're able to schedule calls. If you're using a tool, if you work for yourself, or have a small business and you're using a tool like freeconferencecall.com or something like that, do yourself a favor, use Zoom. A little bit more, again, if you pay, the more you pay, obviously, the more you can personalize. You can have personalized links to meeting rooms, et cetera. But Zoom's a great tool if you just want to talk to people around the world and have a place to do that. 
especially if you want to use video, but even if you don't. All right, number six in the favorite tools and apps of mine and in communication and community, another oldie but a goodie. It's LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, I'm an old time fan. A lot of people have fallen out of love with LinkedIn and and we've been in a long-term relationship and <laughs> like long-term relationships. Sometimes I get frustrated with it, but for the most part, LinkedIn is is my ride or die homeboy. So I have been on LinkedIn since May 12th of 2006. It actually launched in May of 2003. So I was in that sort of early adopter crowd. I am actually member number 5,852,039. So 5852039 is my member number on LinkedIn. And today, LinkedIn, depending on what numbers you find out there online, has over 610 million members. So I think I get to claim some OG status on LinkedIn, although there were plenty of people that I know that were ahead of me. But I kind of joined LinkedIn back in 2006 because I was in executive search at the time. I was meeting with a senior leader who uh, was an HR leader and, and just chatting with them. And he mentioned that he had been reached out to on LinkedIn by a recruiter to schedule an interview. And I was like, what? What is this LinkedIn thing you speak of? I'm a recruiter. I need to hear about it. So I joined shortly after that. And then I've shared before how I I gave away about 10% of my time to people who are senior level executives who were in career transition. And what that turned into is I would either help them with their resume or their interviewing or their networking. And to add value, I would show them how to use LinkedIn because a lot of them hadn't heard of LinkedIn at that time. It was relatively new. They needed to understand how to set up their profile, how to use it for professional networking. And that actually turned into people asking me to come in and speak about how to use LinkedIn. So I give LinkedIn major props for helping me to launch unintentionally at the time my career as a speaker. So I have always gotten a lot of value out of LinkedIn. Yes, with a 610 million people using it, do you get annoying messages from people you don't know? Sure. There are lots of frustrations and things. We could go down the list with LinkedIn, but I think for me, the ability that I've had to connect with people that I know and to stay up to date with what they're doing and what they're sharing and also to connect with people that I aspire to know or maybe a speaker that I heard that I would like to stay connected to has just been really, really valuable. And it has been immensely, immeasurably valuable to me to be found to do work that I love. So whether it's people finding me to speak at their events, people finding me when I was a recruiter for opportunities, clients, et cetera, I wish I had tracked along the way the the dollars that I have been able to acquire as a result of being on LinkedIn, and I can't say enough about it. So I will do a future episode on LinkedIn and, and how I use it and how I think it can be even more beneficial to you because I know there are, again, a lot of people out there that don't see a lot of value in it, even though they may be on it. But I still think LinkedIn, you know, their mission is to help be your online Rolodex for those of you that remember what that was. And I use LinkedIn. It's it's like I open up Gmail. I open up my calendar. I open up couple of other things on my computer and I open up LinkedIn. It's open every day, all the time. If my laptop is open, LinkedIn is open because I'm constantly looking people up. If someone leaves me a voicemail, I look them up on LinkedIn before I give them a call back so I can learn about them. When people reach out to me, I look up on LinkedIn. I just use it 
all day, every day for kind of researching and staying in touch with people and just connecting with people. So I love LinkedIn. And you may be wondering, Jennifer, how do you know what member number you are on LinkedIn? Well, I got a link for you in the show notes if you want to find your LinkedIn member number so that either you can go, woo, I was there first or wow, I'm member number six million. Not 609 million. Yeah, good. Good for you. At least you've come to the party. So LinkedIn, big fan. Always love it, or at least so far. <laughs> Number seven, communication tools. Twitter. Ah, some of you hate Twitter. Some of you have never been on Twitter. Both of those things are okay. But like LinkedIn for me, Twitter has a lot of value. I use actually TweetDeck, which is... Twitter, I think Twitter owns it now, but it was a separate product at one point. But I personally use TweetDeck on my laptop desktop because I find it visually more able to keep up with things. I don't use the Twitter.com website on my computer. But whether you use Twitter.com or you use TweetDeck or Hootsuite or any of the other tools we get on Twitter, for me, Twitter is still one of my favorite places to be. So Twitter launched in March of 2006, and I joined Twitter on March 25th, 2008. So just a couple of years later. And I did that after reading a blog post from my friend Jim Stroud, who I had was at the time looking for people to learn from. And Jim had a website called The Recruiter's Lounge. And he wrote a blog post that at that time, March of 2008, there were only 85 recruiters on Twitter. Now, Jim's a sourcer recruiter guy, so I don't doubt his numbers. But I remember reading that and I said, hmm, I'm a recruiter, kind of like the LinkedIn thing. I'm a recruiter. If only 85 recruiters are on Twitter, then I should be on Twitter so that I can be one of the first. So I joined within a couple of years of Twitter's existence back when fail whales were all the rage. And if you don't know what a fail whale was, then you weren't there in the beginning. But Twitter, like a lot of platforms back then, wasn't exactly stable. And so when it wasn't working, there was a little fail whale that said, hey, we'll be back. But on Twitter, I actually found my user number on Twitter. Someone uh, on Twitter helped me to figure out how to find that this week. I was user number 14,221,435. So 14 million when I think, again, depending on where you find your numbers, there are over 330 million people on Twitter today are accounts. And some of those are actually real people. 200 million of them are bots. Well, you know that, but or dead accounts. But for those of us that actually do still love Twitter and go on Twitter, it's still my favorite place for kind of a conversation or a boredom fixer. Uh, yes, I know there's lots of ways to go on Twitter and get angry and find things. But by using TweetDeck, and again, maybe I'll do an episode on this in the future uh, about how I use Twitter. I've got, I haven't even looked at the number. I I really don't pay attention to it, but I think almost 60,000 followers on Twitter or or more or less. And why do I not pay attention to it? Because again, of those 60,000, that number, maybe 60 people pay attention to me because we all know we may be following thousands of people or hundreds of people, but you probably only pay attention to a few people. And I use Twitter lists and things like that to allow me to pay attention to people and to filter out a lot of the noise. So, yes, Twitter is a hot mess, but I love it. I truly have built some of my most valuable friendships and relationships through Twitter. A lot of the friends that I call my closest friends today, we either met on Twitter 
or we built our relationship on Twitter. Back in the day, remember back 2008-9, we didn't have, you couldn't share links, you couldn't share pictures, you couldn't share videos. Uh, there was no ads or advertising. It was really just what people were doing and or what they were having for lunch. So you can also, and I'll link to the show notes, how you can find your Twitter user number if you want to. And I'll also link to how you can find your first tweet. And so I looked mine up last night. And like most first tweets, mine was monumental. My first tweet, which was sent at 8.57 p.m. on March 25th, 2008, was signing up for Twitter. I have finally succumbed. <laughs> I guarantee you your first tweet was some version of that. You're like, well, I'm here. I uh, don't know what's next. So that was my first tweet. And then, of course, on the link that I'll share in the show notes, uh, I was able to put in a range. So I kind of looked at like my first month of tweets. And what was really funny to me, my second tweet, I, you know, maybe haven't come that far. But nice article today in the Cincinnati Enquirer about LinkedIn and Link Cincinnati. Membership increasing. <laughs> Link Cincinnati is a group that I started on LinkedIn. So I was self-promoting from tweet number two. Yay, me. <laughs> Hopefully I've learned how to, um, you know, balance out the self-promotion with the value over the years. But uh, I just found that kind of funny. The first one being the benign, hey, I'm here, what's next? And then the second one, look at me. Um, so Twitter, I love you. I can't quit you. Not going to do it anytime soon. So that's got to be one of my favorite things, my favorite apps out there today. Number eight in the communication and community category. Now, this one is probably one, maybe the ones I've shared so far you either are familiar with or you're familiar with something like them, but you may not have heard of this one. It's called Meet Edgar. And Meet Edgar may or may not be for you, but Meet Edgar is a really robust social media management tool that makes it easy to schedule and automate content on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It is fairly pricey. It's a few hundred dollars a year, so it's probably not something that you have just on your own. Uh, there are free tools out there like Buffer or again, Hootsuite, or you can even schedule in TweetDeck for things like scheduling content out on social platforms. I use MeetEgger or acquired MeetEgger mainly because of Disrupt HR, uh, because we do share um, video content, upcoming uh, registrations for events all over the world, speaking application dates. So it's necessary or it's certainly really helpful for me to be able to go in like every weekend I go in and I load up all the social tweets for upcoming events for, you know, around the world for Disrupt HR. I go in and I upload all the coming speaking application links that are open for Disrupt HR. I, as I watch Disrupt HR videos and I want to highlight some of the best, I go ahead and just load those into Meet Edgar. And I do share every now and then some of my own personal content through Meet Edgar as well, but it allows me as someone who needs to use social media kind of at scale with Disrupt HR to not have to go in and individually share all of those tweets or LinkedIn posts or Facebook posts. You can even post to Instagram, which I've not used that functionality through Meet Edgar. Um, but I can post to LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all three, or just one. I can schedule them on certain days. I can schedule them just once. Uh, it's a really, really powerful tool. And it, I don't have to, again, kind of do that on an ongoing basis. I can batch those activities. So meet Edgar. Again, link to it in the show notes if that's something that you do have some need to share quite a bit of social media content and you want to make sure that you're able to schedule that out over time or on LinkedIn and Facebook, at least, 
you can put it in there and it will continue to post until you remove them. Twitter uh, enacted a rule a couple of years ago that you can only post content once to Twitter. So if you want to continue posting on Twitter, you do have to redo it. But it's really a really robust tool. So if it's for you, I encourage you to check out Meet Edgar. Got a link for you in the show notes. If it's not, maybe something just to be aware of. And as I said, there are tools out there. I also use Buffer for a lot of my personal just, hey, I want to share this, but not all at the same time kind of stuff. So Buffer.com is another tool out there for you. All right, moving on to the next kind of section. And I just titled this Computer Things and data storage, computer things. That's the technical term. <laughs> I didn't know whatever to do it. And it's the ninth app on the list of 15, if you're keeping track. The ninth one is Evernote. Evernote, if you're not familiar with it, it's an app designed for note-taking, organizing, task management, and archiving. And I've had Evernote for a long time. And again, there's a free version of Evernote, which is probably what 90% of the people will would it ever need. I pay for, I think, the minimal level, and I don't even know why but I do. And maybe part of it's just because I want to give back, give back uh, because I do find it really valuable. A lot of times when people ask me, you know, well, how do you kind of save notes or take notes for your speaking presentations or things you want to write about or even podcast episodes? All of that for me is in Evernote. It's kind of like I mentioned earlier with Nosby. If I have a thought, you know, hey, I'd like to interview this person for my podcast or here's a good idea for a blog post or here's a great article that I could use to craft a speaking, something around one of my speaking topics for. All of those I can save into Evernote and I can put them into categories. I can tag them and Evernote is really searchable. And I've got things saved in Evernote back 10 from 10 years ago, you know, maybe that I still keep. So it's kind of my digital file cabinet, I guess, but, you know, much better than a paper file cabinet where you can't always put your finger on things because you can search it. And like everything I've mentioned to you before, I'm using probably one-fifth, 5% of the capability of Evernote. Um, you can scan handwritten notes into Evernote and they'll still be searchable. Uh, you can take a lot of image photos. Uh, there's a lot of things I could do in Evernote that I'm not even maximizing its capabilities. But again, for me, if I like an article or if I want to read it later or if it's a resource that I want to use for uh, a workshop or a keynote or something like that. All of that goes into Evernote. I save all of my ideas for podcast episodes, for blog posts, et cetera, into Evernote. I take notes when I'm talking with someone about a speaking opportunity or a client opportunity. When I'm talking to them on the phone, I'm typing my notes into Evernote. So that way I always have those and I can keep them in a folder for that client so I can go back and reference those things. Another thing I use Evernote for is I take pictures of all of my important documents. So my passport, my driver's license, my health insurance card, my credit cards. Um, I've taken pictures of all of those and saved them into Evernote. So if I'm ever traveling or overseas or something and I lose my pa passport or, you know, God forbid I lose my passport or something like that, I can always go into Evernote and I have that information right there to be able to access to start the process of getting replacements. So I found that really helpful because sometimes I'll be out and about, you know, maybe I don't have my wallet with me and I need my driver's license number, but I've always got my phone. So I just look it up in Evernote. So I think I need to get more thoughtful about thinking about ways I can reduce paper and maybe take pictures of things or scan things and, and load them up into Evernote. But it's it's basically, like I said, a digital file cabinet. Michael Hyatt, you've heard of him. Who? Michael who? Um, he calls it his digital brain. 
And I think same kind of concept. It's a way to keep things, to store things in a easily searchable way. And it's a really robust tool that for the most part is free unless you want to use some of the more premium features. Number 10, uh, also in the computer things category, Dropbox. If you are not familiar with Dropbox or if you are and you're like me and you don't haven't used it, again, to its full capabilities. For me, Dropbox, Dropbox is the bomb. I have a Mac and I save everything that I do on my Mac into Dropbox. So back in the corporate days when there were shared files and your own files on your hard drive and files that were on the cert, whatever, I don't even remember, it's been so long, but that's kind of the same thing for me with Dropbox. So I have folders in Dropbox for everything that I do and every Word document or Excel document or any kind of document that I'm working on, if I'm saving it, I'm saving it into Dropbox. And what that means is, is that now I can access that information on any device I have. So I can access it for my iPhone. I can access it on an iPad. I can access it on a PC. Um, here's an example for you. So I save all of my presentations, obviously, again, because I save everything in Dropbox. But uh, a PowerPoint presentation for a keynote is saved into my presentations folder in Dropbox. I take my laptop with me. I take that presentation on a thumb drive. Um, sometimes none of those things work, and I've had to go to dropbox.com, and I can pull it out of the cloud. So that presentation is available to me anywhere. I don't necessarily, you know, if I have my computer stolen or lost or something like that, I can always access the presentation file or any document. Uh, since I started my own business 10 years ago, I've purchased two different you know, MacBook Pro computers. And every time I've purchased a new one, all I have to do is just log on to dropbox.com and all of my stuff is there. So I don't even have to transfer files from the old computer. It's all out there online. Dropbox, like a lot of things, has a free version, which is probably all you'll ever need. Um, but I actually pay for the professional plan, which is $199 a year. Again, partly because I just want to give back, I think. But the reality is my entire business is on my computer, you know, all of my intellectual property, all of my client notes, everything I do is on my computer. If it ever got lost and that was all on a hard drive, that would be a very, very sad day. <laughs> it would still be a sad day if my computer got lost or stolen, but I would just be able to fire right back up by logging on to dropbox.com. So with the $199 professional plan, I get three terabytes of storage. I don't even know what that is. So while preparing for this episode, I looked at my plan and I've actually used 75.44 gigabytes of that three terabyte storage available to me in 10 plus years of using Dropbox. And that's actually 7.5% of the online storage space I have available. So I have a lot more content than I need to be creating because I got more Dropbox that I can use. But I get, you know, from people who work in the corporate world sometimes because, uh, for example, the videos for Disrupt HR, I ask that they be shared with uh, Google Drive or Dropbox with me. And sometimes people who work in a company will tell me that Dropbox is blocked at their company. And I think that's sad and unfortunate, but I guess I can understand it. They probably want you saving documents on their company servers, I guess. Um 
But it's unfortunate that people maybe aren't able to access a really cool, powerful tool. So if you work in the corporate office, not telling you to go rogue or anything there. But if you have your own personal business or something, there's zero reason for you to not be using Dropbox. It's certainly an online cloud storage option for you, a way to access all your information on online. Um, it's a form of backup for you. Again, you'll always have access to that information and, and can restore files through Dropbox. Um, and, you know, I'll talk more about backup in a minute. So don't make sure Dropbox is your only form of backup. But I think if you are a sole proprietor, an entrepreneur, have any kind of side hustle or information uh, that you're creating content for and you're not saving it on something like Dropbox, Make that your number one priority today because I don't want you to be a sad, sad person where your hard drive crashes and you lose all your good stuff. So uh, Dropbox. And again, one of the reasons I pay for it is because with SmartSync, which is only available with that paid professional plan, I can actually just save things in the cloud and they don't have to be also downloaded on my hard drive. So I have a lot of files between my work and Disrupt HR. So being able to say some of them only save in the cloud and not on my actual computer uh, means I can still access them from any device, but it doesn't take up hard drive space. So it may be worth it to you to have the paid plan as well. So number 11. Google Drive. So very similar to Dropbox, but if you use Gmail, you have access to Google Drive. And I actually didn't use Google Drive for a number of years. I thought, well, I'm using Dropbox. Why do I need you Google Drive? And I, I don't guess you probably need both, but now I use Google Drive in both my Disrupt HR business and my personal business. Um, and I do think, you know, if you want to collaborate on files, so for example, my project manager and I uh, use Google Drive to share documents and we can actually be on a Zoom call going through a document and I can make real-time, you know, edits while we're both talking and viewing the document. Or she can send me copy for my review and I just make edits in that document and it saves automatically in real time. So, definitely. Definitely for collaboration, Google Drive, if you're using Gmail or most everybody has access to Gmail, um, it's a file storage and synchronization service developed by Google. And it was kind of interesting to me. My son is 27. He's finishing up his second degree, has just accepted a, a new job uh, to start in May when he graduates. And so he's almost eight years into college, eight years plus into college. Um and they're not teaching the kids in college these days about things like Google Drive or Dropbox. So a couple of times I've said, you need to share that, save that in Google Drive so you'll be able to access it anywhere. And he's like, what's that? So that's unfortunate because I think the corporate world, you are using these tools. So hopefully they'll come along for the kids someday. I want to kind of wrap up here and we got a couple more to share. So number 12 is Backblaze. This is under computer things and storage. Backblaze is an online backup tool, and you can use it with either a PC or a Mac to backup your data in an offsite data center. So Backblaze says it provides full protection against data loss and most importantly, recovery of all of your files in case your computer is lost, stolen, or otherwise compromised. And you may be saying, Jennifer, you already said you use Dropbox. Everything's backed up online. Why do you also need Backblaze? Well, I think Again, I've heard multiple stories of people over the years who've lost their hard drives or their computer crashed and, and that was a very sad day for them. I don't want that ever to happen to me. 
there's plenty of things that can happen that will be really challenging to deal with. I don't want that to be one. So at least two forms of backup for me is not a bad idea. And Backblaze is fairly cheap. I don't remember how much it costs, but it's not that much. Um, and what I like about Backblaze is it just does its thing. So once once a week or so, I don't even know or notice most of the time. It just goes in and it backs up all my files online. Um, so they're out there. Again, if I ever needed to restore a computer um, or if I... I guess maybe even if I needed to restore a file from a couple of days ago, I could access that via Backblaze, you know, from an old backup. And it's just the peace of mind of knowing that not only are things backing up on Dropbox, but they're also being backed up by Backblaze. Now, if you go to the Backblaze website, they'll tell you that Dropbox and Google Drive are not sufficient. Well, of course, they would say that. Uh, and they have their reasons and they list them out there if you want to take a, re a read at that. But for me, for the cost, which is minimal, and the fact that it happens in the background without me knowing it, I'm a big fan of Backblaze. And I'm glad to know that my files are backed up. And, you know, even though I share or save everything in Dropbox, things that are on maybe my desktop or some of the other things on my computer aren't backed up into Dropbox. So having that done with Backblaze, I think, is really helpful. And then one more for you, Clean My Mac. Clean My Mac is a Mac cleaner app that cleans up and optimizes my Mac. As I said, I save a lot of things on my Mac. It's my whole business and my life on my Mac, so it can get pretty clunky sometimes. So Clean My Mac reminds me once a week that it's time to clean it, and it does it automatically. It's quick. It's easy. Fairly cheap tool. I'm sure there's a Clean My PC type tool out there if you're a PC. But if you have a Mac, even though we've always heard they don't get viruses and stuff, Clean My Mac will help you keep your Mac running smoothly, quickly, and malware-free. No, that was not a commercial for Clean My Mac. And then finally, just to leave you with a couple of tools to round out the top 15, these are financial tools. Um, and for me, you know, I use a lot of different things as well, but these are my top two. Number one or number 14 on the list is Mint, mint.com. Free, free for everybody. I still use the free version. It's a free, safe, simple budget tool. And I actually use it for all my personal life and for both my businesses. So I have three different Mint accounts and I track my personal finances, my business finances and the finances for Disrupt HR on those accounts. For me, it's good to be able to go in. I do it once a week. I go into Mint and I categorize all my expenses and I review things and I have my, you know, bank accounts and my credit cards and my investment accounts all update automatically in Mint so I can see what is my current net worth? How bad did my investment accounts tank last week? <laughs> but it's helped more than once where because I'm actively paying attention to, you know, what's coming into or out of my accounts, maybe I found things that were charged in error or I found things, you know, that that don't look right to me and I'm able to investigate. But I'm also able to, you know, kind of uh, do a budgeting report through Mint. I'm able to kind of, at the end of the year when I do my taxes, I just go through Mint and say, you know, what are the categories of all these expenses? May not be the easiest way to do it, but for me, it works today. And so I find it really helpful. Again, you know, back in the day, some of you kids don't remember when we actually used to use the check register in our checkbook to balance our checkbooks every month. You know, some of you are like, what is a check? I don't even know what that is. This kind of replaces that for me. It's still a way to kind of go in. They're automatically reconciled already, but 
you know, I'm able to see what's coming in and going out and keep kind of a visual track on my savings and investments and my expenses. So I like Mint. There are more robust tools out there, but that works for me. And so I'm sticking with it for now. And then the last one I'll recommend to you, it's what I use in my business for invoicing. And it also automatically tracks my business expenses where I'm able to categorize them as well. Uh, And it's called freshbooks.com. So FreshBooks saved my life in the very beginning of my business when the first client I had said, send me an invoice. And I didn't know how to do that. (laughs) So I created something in Excel and I saved it as a PDF. And I said, there you go. And they said, can we pay by credit card? And I said, no. (laughs) So with FreshBooks, I'm able to accept credit card payments. I'm able to accept bank transfers. I'm able to accept checks. You can still mail those. And again, I'm able to, especially with the type of business that I have, where maybe I'm traveling and there are related expenses or something that I need to bill to a client, because my expenses are tracked in FreshBooks through my American Express or whatever account you might set up, then I can take a photo of the receipt on my phone. I can attach that in FreshBooks and then I attach that digitally to the invoice. So I'm able to send an invoice with copies of receipts to clients all kind of online without having to back in the day when we had to make copies and send paper copies or upload pictures and attach a dozen images. So it's just made my life a lot easier. And if you are doing anything, even if it's a side hustle where you are collecting payments from people, having a tool like FreshBooks where you can send invoices and people can pay easily online. Yes, there is a fee, just like when you use your credit card, the vendor is paying part of the credit card fee. But it's worth it to me to get paid quick and easy rather than having to wait months, sometimes months, yes, months for a check. So I find FreshBooks to be very robust. There are other tools out there like QuickBooks and other things that maybe you're familiar with. But for me, I use FreshBooks. So I never dreamed I could talk this long about the tools that I use, my favorites, but they're my favorites. So just like kids, you know, I want to brag on them. I want to tell you all about them. But I hope in the 15 that I've shared that maybe I've at least piqued your interest about one that maybe you already were aware of or maybe you already use and like me weren't using as much as you could. And maybe I've even made you aware of a couple that you want to check out. And of course, you can go to jennifermcclure.net forward slash 35 to get the show notes. And if you want to download that shiny freebie with all of the cool images of what they are and what they'll do and links where you can save that for the future, you can do that at jennifermcclure.net forward slash 35. So those are my top 15 today. I'm sure that will change changes all the time. I find out about new tools every day, but I appreciate the time you spent with me here on the Impact Makers podcast. And as always, if you haven't subscribed to the Impact Makers podcast yet, I'd love for you to do so. That way these episodes will automatically show up on your phone or your device for you to be able to listen to at your leisure. If you haven't written a review or given us a rating, us, like I have a whole team of people here, I'd love for you to do that too. If it's five stars, that's amazing. If it's less than that, you do you. (laughs) Let me know how I can better serve you in the future on the Impact Makers podcast. And if you have a takeaway or you want to share with me one of your favorite tools, use the hashtag on any of your favorite social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. You already know a couple of my favorites. The hashtag is Impact Makers podcast. And I've got a clock 
column set up for that in TweetDeck. So if you share that on Twitter, I find you. I search for it on LinkedIn and Facebook. So I'm looking for you. If you're talking to me out there, Impact Makers Podcast, I'd love to hear what some of your free tools are. And I look forward to sharing something new with you again next week. It's time for you to get noticed, create change and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review. 